This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, as always, Shane Told. And maybe you can hear it in my voice, my horrible nasally voice. I have a cold. And yeah, it's never good on tour when you're the singer in a band and you have a cold and you have to perform. And that's exactly what's going on with me over here. I'm in Europe with my band Silverstein. We are uh, on tour with Anti-Flag. Awesome, awesome tour so far. Tickets, all the shows have been selling out pretty much. It's been a rager getting along with the anti-flag guys so well. We're sharing a bus, actually, which is pretty cool. 16 dudes on one bus. It's a riot. But uh, those close quarters, those late nights, they've caught up with me. And here I am with this cold. And it's something that I think doesn't get talked about on this show very often is what do you do when you get sick on tour? And the answer for most people is you just, the show must go on. You got to do it. You, you can't shut it down. We're all out here. We got a bus. We got a crew of people. We got tickets sold and people that want to see us play. So canceling the show, not an option. You got to make it work. And of course, there's remedies, you know, all kinds of cough drops and Advil. And for me, it's mostly just a lot of water. And luckily today, we have a day off in beautiful Munich, Germany. So I'm taking it easy. I'm chilling. I'm recording this in the back of the bus Speaking of this episode, we have a good one. I speak to Mr. Ryan Kirby of Fit for a King, another band you guys have requested a lot, Uh, not just recently, but especially recently, with their new album being so highly touted, people are really raving about this one. Last week, we had Spencer from Ice Nine Kills, which is a great episode. Their new record is being talked about for Album of the Year. You can put Fit for a King's record right up there beside it. It is a great record. It is out now. Check it out. There, There's some hits on this thing, and uh, it really was great to uh, pick Ryan's brain about their band, the Christian aspect of their band, how important that is to them, 
to their fans. And of course, we talk some Dallas Cowboys football. Quite a lot of Dallas Cowboys football. So, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. You can take it or you can leave it. Feel free to fast forward through it. It's all good. I want to remind you guys, in case you forgot, Halloween is almost here. We're like, what, like 10 days away? It is really, really coming up fast. Now, if you haven't got a costume yet to wear, head over to rockabilia.com. They have the coolest rock-themed costumes, masks, from all your favorite spooky bands, like The Misfits, like Motionless in White, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie. Check it out. Very cool stuff there. And of course, the best selection of t-shirts, hoodies, all that stuff you're going to need for fall. So head over to rockabilia.com and of course, use our promo code PCJabberJaw to save 15% off your order today. I personally do not have my Halloween costume picked out quite yet. I'm a bit of a crammer, but I'll figure something out. And when I do, I'll post it on the Instagram. Uh, by the way, thank you to everybody who follows Lead Singer Syndrome at Lead Singer Syndrome on Instagram because we just hit 10,000 followers. So now we're talking in, in Ks. So it says 10K when you go to our Instagram. So make sure you head over there. Give us a follow. Everyone's doing it. Also, we're on Twitter. It's at Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N. Don't sleep on Facebook. We have a great Facebook page run by Julia, Melissa, and Neil. Go check it out. Follow us. Make sure you get on that. And if you want to send me an old-fashioned email, that's an option for you. I read all my email. I'm not great at replying, but I try my best. Hit me up, Syndrome at gmail.com. If you want to help out the show, the best way to do it is to become a member of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, you get access to so much bonus material. Interviews with non-lead singers. I do that on the bonus episodes. And some extra ones with lead singers. Also, an amazing community of like-minded music fans, fans of this show. I'm on there posting every single day. I'm also on there doing question and answer sessions, playing some tunes, all kinds of good stuff. And for $9 a month, you get a welcome package. You get patches set every three months. You get access to incredible Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise. We run contests. There's so much good stuff to be had. And it is what keeps this show going. It's the best way to support it. So head over to LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. And that's all you got to do. Plug in that link, give me a pledge, and we're all set. Speaking of all set, I'm going to give my voice a bit of a rest. I apologize for the sound of it. But here's my conversation with Ryan Kirby of Fit for a King. Mr. Kirby, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, man. It's uh, Shane from Silverstein, lead singer syndrome on the telephone. Can you hear me okay? Okay, now, I was trying to get my headphones to work. They weren't, but now they're working. 
Ah, so we're good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, it's funny, you know, I, I got all my podcast equipment and like, I need headphones, right? So I bought like good headphones, <laughs> you know, like nice, like, I don't know they were Sennheiser or Audio Technica or like a nice brand, you know? So they yeah. broke, they broke in like, I'm not even kidding, like a week. One, the one ear just stopped working. So I'm like, ah, shit. So I went yeah. out, went out back out to, you know, the nice store and I got whatever, the other brand. I, I don't remember. The first was Sennheiser, second was Audio Technica. So I, so then I, I bought the other one. They were like, you know, like $70 headphones, uh, like earbuds, you know? And like, mm-hmm. they lasted like two weeks. So I'm like, fuck this. I went to Radio Shack. I bought the cheap $9.99 headphones. I've had them for two and a half years. Cost. That's right. And they, yeah, cost. Dude. <laughs> cost was my jam when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, dude. So and, hey, there's and, a reason they're still around. Right? Yeah. So no, and they sound like they sound whatever. They don't sound as good as the other ones, but at least they don't break. So. Oh, it's so funny going to studios and you see like just a bucket of dead headphones. Yeah, I know. And it's all these really nice like Sure and Sennheisers and Audio Technicas. Somebody could make a fortune. They- I just don't understand how studios break headphones so frequently. I don't know. Like, do bands throw them on the ground after a take? Or I- I've definitely had that happen before. Like, out of frustration, I've like definitely maybe not thrown them on the ground, but dropped them. And even sometimes out of excitement, like you take mm-hmm. the headphones off after a take, you like go to run in the control room to hear hear what it sounds like, and then uh, they kind of hit the ground. So I could see see them breaking definitely. I, I know I know sometimes I'll like squeeze the headphones, so maybe somebody way stronger than me. Just <laughs> <them>. <laughs> it's funny. I was I was just recording some some vocals. You all right? That sounds like some crazy sounds. Yeah. <laughs> What is that? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm passing sound check right oh. now. I'm walking outside. <laughs> no problem. To go, hey, get better reception. You probably played at uh, Old National. Oh, Indianapolis? Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So I figured I should probably get out of the basement before a call drops. Yeah, no. No, you sound, sound pretty good uh, on my end, man. But... Um, uh, yeah, it's funny. I was just recording some vocals myself and like, you know, I do singing and screaming and when I sing, I'm, I'm pretty like, you know, I just kind of stand there and sing. But when I scream, I usually try to hold the microphone and like, I really let it rip and like my whole body convulses. And a lot of times my headphones, <laughs> they actually fall right off my head when I'm doing a take. That's great. Hey, you're getting way more into it than me. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's because I have to push a little <laughs> harder to get the screams out. For you, it just seems to like flow uh, so naturally. I don't know. Am I right? Screaming for sure is like really easy now. I started singing this last record, and that's been the real thing. Just whatever you've done longer, I'm singing is more effortless. For you, right? Me. No, that totally that totally makes sense, man. But yeah, I mean, and and I, I mean, I have to bring up your new record. We're going to talk all about it later. Uh, mm-hmm. Which it's, I mean, it's a tremendous record. Dark Skies. It's been out just for a few weeks now. But I want to talk about one specific thing, and it is the scream. Can we talk about the scream in Backbreaker? The long oh, yeah, world's yeah, longest scream. <laughs>
it's so miserable to do. But <laughs> yeah. People like, so it's one of those things where you're like, I'll do it for the kids. <laughs> well, yeah, the, that's the thing, right? You do it, uh, you do, you do it on the record and, and you, you know, you only have to do it well once. Well, probably maybe a double, but I don't know if you double your screams or and not. It's but it's so nice in the studio. It's like 70 degrees. Or, <laughs> hey, if you're in Canada, it's 21 <laughs> and 22. Yes, and then, yes. Uh, you're kind of like perfect. You take a nice drink of water, take a big breath, and go for it. As opposed to it's at the end of a song, and <laughs> like on our set on this tour, we play our first three songs without a break. And yeah. It's the third song, so I'm just like dying. But I just tell. Sometimes I like have when I'm doing it live. I like think about random stuff. Like I hope my wife's having a good day. Or like, I wonder if uh, that guy in the corner that's just giving me a death stare is enjoying this. Maybe this will win him over. Uh, that's really funny. <laughs> that is true, though, man. It, I don't think anyone's ever brought that up. Like, how, you know, not to say, like, we go through the motions as singers <laughs> of bands, but sometimes that happens. Just like I'm sure yeah, at totally. any, anyone's job, like, let's say you sell insurance and you're on the phone and you're trying to sell insurance for the like, you know, the like, you know, 18th or 19th uh, time that day. And, you know, you're asking them about their what kind of premiums they want. Maybe your mind might wander it's a little bit, memory. you know, and it's very true that you might be in the middle of this heart wrenching song that you've poured your heart and soul into. But you know what? When it's the 500th time you've sang it or screamed it. Yeah. You might be wondering. Exactly. You might be wondering. <laughs> yeah. So, I wonder if my wife uh, ended up getting that uh, that new quinoa at Whole Foods. I was like, uh, wanted her to pick up for me. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, I've thought even like I wonder. I should probably check my bank account today. It's been a few days. Make sure everything's good. <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't think people realize. Like I'm sure even when you're on stage, I know it's for me. There's some parts I'll think about what I'm going to say to the crowd. For the next part. Oh, yeah, yeah. I need some cool pump-up ideas. I don't want it to sound cliche, and I'll be, like, screaming while thinking (laughs) about it. And uh, people are like, oh, how'd you come up with that one weird thing you said about getting the crowd pumped? Like, oh, I thought about it the whole song (laughs) until it came up to the build-up. That's funny. Yeah, I definitely definitely know what you mean. Usually when that happens to me, it's kind of like, you know, when you're at the dinner table... And everyone's having a conversation and people, you know, and I don't know, you, you seem like more of a bit of an introverted, a bit of a quieter guy. Um, you know, maybe yeah. not, maybe not around your, your close friends and stuff, but, uh, you know, like when there's this, everyone talks about something and then the conversation moves away, but you had something really interesting or funny to say, but it was like five minutes ago. I find mm-hmm. that that tends yeah. to happen with me. Like something will happen the song before or during the song and then the end of the song comes and I'll I'll have planned out what I'm going to say, but then the moment has just passed, and it just like doesn't work anymore. Man, man it would have been perfect <laughs> if I had just said that, and then the crowd would have lost their minds. I know, I know. Well, I've I've said stuff in the middle of songs before too, and it's funny for me, but uh, usually the crowd's like, "What the hell are you doing, man? Like, just do your just do your job. Do your part. Do your part. Do your oh, part. fans love to do your job. That's right, man." So you're in Indianapolis <laughs> with Devil's Prada and 68. Is that the tour? Correct. How is that going? It's uh, a bit of a 
nostalgia tour, throwback tour for Devil Wears Prada. Um, yeah, what, what is it like for you guys? With you know, obviously you guys are really focusing on your your current music, and they're kind of dwelling a little bit into their past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is like a weird mix. I didn't even think of it that way. But uh, we're out here, our whole set, basically. I think six of nine songs is off the new record, and then 10 of 13 songs of theirs is off one from 10 years ago. Right. So uh, I was really curious when this tour started, like, how's this going to go? Like, how many people are coming to this show that haven't even listened to metalcore in 10 years? (laughs) Just due to, like, oh, I want to see Prada play this old record. I used to love it. And I was like, so how does that us and the tour has been insanely easy uh it's the first three band package we've ever done yeah and 68's only a two-piece right band, so that's I guess the first two and a half band package <laughs> that we've done <laughs> but yeah i mean you're talking about yeah 68 uh who has i mean obviously josh scoggin you know of the chariot has a rich history with metalcore and you know, Christian metalcore and Devil Wears Prada being, you know, founders of Christian metalcore as well. Uh, it's interesting because you guys are sort of one of the only newer Christian metalcore bands on Solid State Records still of that ilk. You know what I mean? Um, of of a, a kind of music that I think peaked a long time ago, yet here you guys are with a crushing new record uh, as relevant as ever It's uh, it's kind of interesting uh, That these bands are all coming together And, and how, how things have sort of shifted musically But here you guys find yourself on a, on a great tour I think uh, a big difference Between us and I guess Because you say it died out a long time ago And I think that kind of Christian band Did die out a long time ago Right. Uh, as far as the really outspoken preaching on stage, every song is about Christianity. Because um, bands like us in Silent Planet, I think the other day I tweeted about, like, I don't even like the term Christian band a ton anymore because, I like, on our new record, there's one song about Christianity. Right. And on the last album, we had two songs about Christianity. And I was like, I just write music. I write lyrics. I'm a Christian. Sometimes that happens to show in the lyrics. And then other times it just doesn't at all. Right. And uh, and I'm not somebody who likes to preach on stage. And that's where I kind of made a comment earlier about how fans like to tell us how to do our job. <laughs> I definitely have some of those Christian fans that want to live really hard in the past. Totally. And like how and they're like, Oh, you guys are a Christian ministry, so you need to go preach on stage and use the platform God gave you. And like, first off, never once in my entire music career have I said we're a ministry. So you're kind of just projecting that onto us. And second of all, if I want to preach, I'll preach. And I don't want to preach. Right. So would you rather me fake it and have it like a really disingenuous message on stage? And because sometimes I'm like, you know what, sure, maybe we could be even bigger in the Christian world if we preached, but I don't want to like give a fake message to gain more fans. And at the end of the day, half of our fans, if not more, aren't even a Christian and they paid to watch us play music. So I want to play some music for them. Right. 
No, I get that. And I mean, the biggest, you know, probably the biggest Christian metalcore band ever of all time isn't a Christian band at all anymore and aren't Christians anymore. And that's Under Oath. And that was a band that was, I mean, I remember touring with those guys back in 2005. We went to Europe together for the first time ever. And they used to have nightly Bible study and they, you know, were as... They didn't drink. They were as as straight-laced Christian, you know, they preached. They did it all. And now you talk about a band that is so far removed and has removed themselves from that completely. You know, I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, that's a that's a whole different thing. I, my opinion on what happened to Christian metal is uh, it used to be hip to be a Christian. As weird as that sounds. <laughs> like, it used to be like... Yeah, we have three members. Let's just call ourselves a Christian band. Then we could go play uh, some huge Christian festivals. Right. Yeah. And Cornerstone and all those think, ones. Yeah. Exactly. And I think uh, stuff like Westboro Baptist Church and a lot of like this like anti-LGBT sentiment a lot of Christians were giving off and a lot of hatefulness a lot of Christians were giving off were starting to get promoted as this is the norm for what Christians are. Right. And I think a lot of bands were like, that's not us, and I don't want to be a part of that. And that's why I've always been a little iffy on the term Christian band now more than ever. It's like, because I don't dislike gay people. I love gay people. I love straight people. I love all types of people, because I believe the overall theme of the Bible is unconditional love. And I think the church has turned away from that and is extremely judgmental right. of people, regardless of what they believe is right. Like, I've met so many super close-minded fans that will get mad at me when I'm like, if someone wants to be gay, let them be gay. Like, well, I don't think choice. it's even, I don't even think it is a choice, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. You're, you know, no, it isn't. So, so I that's, agree with that. you know, that, that's, but, but I understand, like, I guess that that it, there is still an old school, you know, divide uh, that that comes up with that, and it's I, I under, totally understand that that's a problem, um, you know, and and I mean not even talking about politics, but I mean that's a problem too when you're talking about uh, how, how far uh, driven apart uh, the sides seem to be, and I guess that that you know that's happening in politics and that's happening in in, uh, in Christianity as well. And I did misspeak. I don't believe it's a choice. Right. Um, the uh, And I guess the biggest thing that a lot of Christian fans got mad about a while ago with me is so there's this, you know, we talked about the political side. I'm a Christian or identify as one. Therefore, people believe, oh, you're a conservative Republican because you're a Christian. Well, um, you're, also, you're also from Dallas, Texas, too. So Exactly. And... Uh, so all of that's working against me and people like and so when I came out and said I think gay marriage should be perfectly legal and there's zero issue with it and I voted for gay marriage in Texas and people were like mad that I did that and I'm like I don't think religion should ever influence the laws of a country right and uh, and people were mad about that. Obviously, I'm like I like to think of myself as very in the center, and because I my belief is that 
on the left, there's a lot of things that are wrong. On the right, there's a lot of things that are wrong. But in the center, somewhere lies the truth. <laughs> sure. Sure. I- so I try just not to identify because I think Democrats are right on some things. I think Republicans can be right on some things. But usually I agree with Democrats on social stuff. And then I, I guess across the board, like I think people should be able to practice their life however they want to or live their life however they want to as long as it doesn't affect other people. And they just live their own life. And I shouldn't have any part in interfering with that. No, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. I guess rounding as I ramble, looking back at like the identifying as a Christian thing, I get painted as like, oh, you're super hardcore on all social issues. Like you don't think anybody should ever be anything other than straight or anybody should ever be respectful of somebody and the way they identify themselves. And it's super frustrating because you're almost having to fight an uphill battle in every conversation. And then as soon as I say, no, I don't feel that way, then you have a lot of like the really hardcore Christian, evangelical Christian mob saying, wait, that's not very Christian of you to say that. Right. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Yeah, totally. You, you, you can't, you just can't win. Um, but I mean, I know the guys you're on tour with, I mean, you know, I had shared buses with, uh, uh, Devil Wars Prada before and, and, and Jeremy and Mike are extremely outspoken in terms of their beliefs, you know, as Christians and also mm-hmm. politically and, you know, they're very progressive. Um, you know, Josh, Josh Scoggin is also somebody that's, you know, very progressive with their thinking and their beliefs and, I mean, I guess that is the new norm, and I think that that is, I think that's healthy, you know? I think it's healthy. Oh, exactly. And I think the biggest issue, because I grew up in a very conservative, typical, like, Texas Republican household. So, obviously, I think for the beginning years of people's lives, they reflect a lot of what their parents teach them. And my, my parents are very loving people, but I don't think they've seen the world uh, they definitely haven't seen the world like I've seen. Right. In it. Right. Well, it it does change you. I mean, when you when you start to go to all these other countries and you see all these other cultures and the way that they live, you know, it, it definitely does affect. You know, you know, you, you realize like nobody gives a shit about high school football uh, in yeah. Europe. You know what I mean? And that's for for some people where you grew up. That's like almost like a second religion to Christianity. Exactly. You know, um, so, I mean, absolutely. Are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? Big time. Um, it's funny. So, so my girlfriend, I've been with her for about a year and a half now. Um, mm-hmm. And she's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. It's the only sport she likes is NFL football. And she's a huge Cowboys fan. So, I've somehow become a Cowboys fan. And I've been watching all the games for, for the last, uh, the last uh, year and a half. Last night was rough. It was, it was not great. Ago, yeah, <laughs> it was not great. You think they should fire? Uh, they should fire Garrett. Oh, I'm all over firing uh, Linehan and Garrett. I have you watched much football? Like, do you understand a lot of the like intricacies of some of the coaching decisions? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a huge watch. I'm a huge fan. I, I watched. I watched as a so child the Bills lose four Super Bowls in a row. So I'm I uh, I'm well aware of of coaching <laughs> bad coaching decisions. Okay, so last night or Sunday night, 
Garrett did something that is just an overall like summary of what's wrong with him. Whenever the uh, Texans went out to go kick the game-winning field goal in overtime, right when he didn't he, go didn't go for it on four and one. That one also really dumb because the Cowboys are eighteen of nineteen under Jason Garrett on fourth and ones. So that's a whole like that was just plain stupid. This the field goal thing kind of just shows how he doesn't pay attention to the details of the game. So he called the timeout before the kicker was about to kick the field goal. So he didn't ice their kicker right before he went out. I'm like, wait, but you called a timeout anyways. Why wouldn't you call it right when he's about to kick it? So maybe ice him. Like that's right. a normal practice. And it's just little things like that where you're like, that was really stupid. Why are you even calling a timeout? It's a game-winning kick. You don't need time on the clock. If he misses it, it's still tied. Right. That's true. So I think uh, there's enough seasons of going eight and eight. (laughs) And you've seen this offense the last, like, 12 games. Yeah. It's atrocious. No, it's a bad offense. The defense has been very good, though. It has. It's been excellent. I love Marinelli. I do think uh, – I think Jason Garrett could ruin Dak Prescott, him and Linehan. Like, this play calling is bad. They're not even using Prescott to his advantages, like his speed and his toughness. Uh, look at the Rams, for example. McVay designed his entire offense around Jared Goff. Like, right. he catered to Goff. And that offense is humming. Whereas when Jeff Fisher was in St. Louis, it was awful, and Goff was doing terrible, and people thought he was a bust. Well, yeah, I mean that's the ball team a certain way, but if you don't have your football team built that way, you can't play that way. You have to play to your strengths. And I don't know why they don't run Elliott more. Uh, you know, I don't know why they're constantly trying to throw to receivers that are no good. You know, um, but oh, hey. the receivers are so bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people were like, "Oh, Des Bryant sucks. Let's get, let's let him walk, anyways." And now it's like, "Oh, damn, he would, he would be pretty nice to have right now." My stance on Des is, I don't think he fixes it completely, but he's sure a hell of a lot better than what they yeah. have on their team right now. There you go. There you so, go. So, love if they brought him back for like a really cheap one year deal just to like hey let's see how your attitude is right right and maybe uh things are better and then if it works out give him a couple year deal after the season's over yeah totally and Witten losing Witten too is probably a big big part of it and uh also he's a you know a great locker room guy as well so but hey um how about back to music what do you think I think so I'm good with music Cowboys are making me sad (laughs) it's it's tough but you know the division is so bad like uh Philadelphia's two and three. Uh, the the uh, I actually didn't see did the, did the uh, did Washington two two. they they lost last night didn't they they lost yeah. so yeah so I mean it's a weak division I guess so uh, you know anything can happen it's supposed to be strong but it's supposed not to happen, be but... yeah I don't know man at least uh, you're not a Bills fan anymore well I am I'll always be a Bills fan always always always. But, uh, well, that's, I'm glad you're not a bandwagon. I guess you can root for both separate conferences. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. That's what I do in hockey, too. I, I've always had a, a East Coast team, which, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then I, I allow myself a West Coast team, and uh, that's the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're allowed to great, do that. Great first season. Yeah. 
And in you know in baseball, you can have a you can like an American League team and a National League team. That's definitely acceptable. Exactly. Uh, all right, man. So uh, diving back into to some to some music talk, and I do appreciate the sports talk. I'm I don't know if the fi- listeners of the show do, but uh, fuck them. <laughs> uh, Bobby, he's out of the band, kind of unexpected. A guy that I knew pretty well, probably talked to the most in your band. I know kind of a major contributor, songwriter. Uh, so Bob, we've been dealing with this situation for about probably a year. Yeah. And uh, I started with our tour a year ago when we did a co-headliner and he just looked really miserable. Like the tour was going great and things were really going good for the band and he just looked really sad the whole tour. Yeah. So we knew something was something was going on. Like he had just had a second kid. He was really bummed, understandably. Uh, totally. So he took our Europe tour off And then he decided I probably just don't need the tour anymore And we were really supportive Of the uh, Obviously supportive of it Because I don't like seeing my longtime friend That I've been in bands with Before yeah. this band even yeah, totally. just, like, He was like a shell of himself He just missed his kids so much And uh, So he hasn't done the last few tours with us but we finally, I think he finally uh, noticed we were having to cover for him all the time. He's like, I'm just going to make an announcement. Right, yeah. For we your really fans, your fans are asking you what's going on, and you're like, uh, uh, you don't know what to tell them. Yeah, and it's like, I don't want to say we don't have a guitarist until we have a guitarist, because as predictable as it was, as soon as Bob made the announcement, my inbox was just flooded with let me try out for guitar messages. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> and so I had to make a another post on my Facebook, like, "Hey, I appreciate that you really want to be a part, but we can handle it." Right. If I mean, it's so. I'm glad Bob finally got it off his chest. He always leaves the door open that's open to touring, though. Like, right. And his post, he's like, "Maybe you'll see me on the stage again," and I'm like, "Which one is it, Bob?" Well, I mean, I could definitely see it happening. You don't want to commit. Where, well, yeah, I mean, he's making a commitment to his wife and his kids and his family and his yeah. plant business, which is pretty cool. He's selling plants. I, I uh, fully respect that. Uh, uh, you know, he's making a commitment to that. But I could definitely see, you know, give it a year and a half, two years. Maybe he, you know, has some memories, uh, you know, because obviously when you're in the moment, you know, touring can really suck. Mm-hmm. But then you think back, it's the same way when you think back to when you were like 14 years old, like riding your bikes, you know, around getting candy at the corner store with your friends. Like you might, you might like long, like at the time you're like, whatever, I wish I was older. But now you're like, I wish I could go back, you know? So he might have, oh, yeah. he might have those <laughs> kinds of uh, feelings and maybe he'll come in and, and jump in for a tour or two. I mean, it's possible, right? Um, I guess it depends. If we don't have a full-time guy and nobody we're really looking at, then absolutely we'd love to have him on a tour. And I was really real with them. I was like, if there's a tour that, because obviously plant shops slow down a lot in the winter. Like, hey, if there's ever like a winter tour and we just don't have a guy and yeah, come do the tour. Right. Uh, But if it's like a tour, we're like, hey, there's this guy we really like. And there's a couple guys we really like right now and we're just trying to, figure things out because every tour we don't take one of those guys we're further away from having like a cohesive unit again 
Oh, t- oh totally. And, uh, totally. So I think uh, it's definitely realistic he could be on a tour with us again. And he's still, like, fully writing for the band. He's reiterated multiple times, like, I want to write as long as you guys want me to write. Because I think that's his way to just stay connected with this part of his life. And I think that's a big reason. And we could even get into this because I think a lot of people would really be interested to hear this is about musicians that don't really want to let the dream die, even when they leave touring. Because it seems like a lot of bands are coming back. Right. Um, and uh, I think he wants to leave the door open because to say I'm never touring again, that's so much finality for somebody who's 27 years old. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that that's great. I mean, because the timing of the statement, you know, you guys just putting out a record and the focus should be on that. It should be on yeah. the new record, on, on you know, your new rise to, to you know, the top of the genre, which is happening right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, putting out the best music you've you've ever put out. So to have him, you know, say, oh, I'm leaving the band. It's, it's like, I mean, it's a bit of a distraction for what's going on. And it's also like, wait, if, if this is like, if they're at the top, their peak right now, then why is the guy leaving? Right. So it is good that, that you guys have such a amicable split where you guys are both talking about how much you love each other. And also the fact that he's still going to contribute you know, musically with you guys is a great sign for your fans because most bands the music would, would Yeah, well, most of your fans would be really, really terrified right now if, if that wasn't what he was saying and what you were saying. Oh, I remember growing up and when bands would lose their, like, songwriter, I was like, oh, great, I'm my favorite band now. Yeah. Yeah, but, I know. Yeah. He lives 10 minutes from me and we still hang out and run. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Uh, We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Um, you know, it's funny too, like you guys did Warp Tour in a van back in, was it 2017? Yeah, what we did, did it in 2014, 15, and 17. Yeah. And, you know, for you guys to be in a van, you know, in, in 2017, you know, you guys are one of the, I mean, I wouldn't say you're one of the biggest bands on the tour, but you were pulling your weight on the stage. I mean, you were one of the biggest bands on the, on the monster mutant energy drink stage, whatever they were calling it. Uh, and then you guys, you know, there's smaller bands than you guys that are going and retreating into a very nice bus or at a minimum, a bandwagon. And then there's you guys driving overnight in a van. I mean, that's like some people would say, I mean, how could anyone last that long? Uh, you know, as as a as a band doing it doing it that way, how difficult that was on a tour like Warp Tour. Uh, the it's like, man, you don't even know the half of it for the 2017 one. That was beyond the whole like you're in a van and it's really hot out. We had to spend twelve thousand dollars in repairs over the tour to keep that van running. Oh my we, god! Uh, 
we took that van on tour with 350,000 miles on it. <laughs> and uh, it was... <laughs> So I think more than the heat, the breaking down was making everyone really on edge the whole tour. But the way I, the way we look at it, we've never been on a bus, never been on a bandwagon, so we don't know what we're missing out on quite right. yet. Right. Because I'm sure the second we do a bandwagon or bus, I'm going to be like, man, I could never back. But we did. Uh, we treated ourselves and bought a Sprinter and built it out. So yeah, that's things cool. Are a little, nicer now yeah no that's cool I, I remember uh we we did a tour one time this was in 2010 and it was a, a day to remember one of their biggest <laughs> first like one of their first big headliners that they did and oh, yeah, august tour yeah stuff, exactly like exactly tour sick and uh august burns red was direct support and they were in a van uh, making God knows how much money as direct support on that tour, and we were second. <laughs> we were second of four, and we were on a well, we were on a bandwagon. It was the first bandwagon ever, actually. We were on, mm. and yeah, and we we like had toured on buses, you know, for at that point for five years without uh, being in a van, and there was no way we we're going back to a van, and we haven't yeah. gone back to one <laughs> since. So you're right, you know, stay in the van as long as you can, and that's what August Burns you Red know, you did. Don't miss what you don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, good for you guys. And I mean, yeah, you can. And to- I, uh, I always tell people when they ask about like, how did you make it through? Because there were days we just didn't talk to each other because we're like, we're like, hey, it's Phoenix. We're all gonna be at each other's throats. Let's just go <laughs> do our own thing and be miserable in separate areas of the festival. And uh, so we would do that. And I always, so a lot of bands would offer spots like not to ride with but hey come hang out right see whenever you want right and all of us we almost never took up bands on that offer because we were like this was our choice to be in a van we make enough money to take a bandwagon it's just not we chose to take this van you guys chose to take your bandwagon enjoy your bandwagon like so we, because uh, we respect if you choose to spend your money on it, we don't want to take up space because we were cheap. But uh, I always tell fans or other bands when they're like, "How, like, how did you make it through the tours?" Like the first week or two is fine. Five weeks in the middle are absolute misery, <laughs> and then the last week you're like, "I'm about to make money," and life's a little easier knowing it'll pay off. <laughs> right. Right. Other than the twelve, other than the twelve grand, but uh, I mean, I guess if your van was yeah. already was already <laughs> shitty, you know, um, it, it was what it was. Uh, are you a homeowner? I am. There you go. See, there's the difference. Ask all those bands. Hey, that's the Warp Tour money. Right. Ask the <laughs> ask all those bands that toured in buses on Warp Tour if they're homeowners, and they're going to say, "Oh no, no, I, I got a I got a one bedroom apartment I rent for." Uh, I don't know. It depends where you live, I, I guess. I my friend's house. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm couch surfing at the moment, <laughs> which, uh, which hey, I've, I've been there myself, so I'm not knocking anybody. Hey, same. I rented a room out for five years. Yeah. That's it. Nothing wrong with that, man. You got to do what you got to do to make it work, you know? Um, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're lucky you live in, I, I mean, Dallas is, I mean, I guess Dallas is a average city. Like, it's not that expensive. Uh, it's not that cheap, you know, so you can make it work. It's like, it's, it's always been tough. rising, but it's yeah. getting okay. Rent is getting up there. A lot of Californians are moving to Dallas. Yeah. Uh, you've played in the deep Elm area. Oh, yeah. It's, it's cool. I'm it's a cool sure. area. Yeah. 
It's actually my wife and I looked at an apartment there, just like, hey, maybe we should just live in a cool area and like a one or two bedroom just to be for a year. And uh, so we looked at some studios. And Deep Ellum, they're going for nineteen hundred a month for four hundred square feet. Yikes, that is crazy. And they're like, all right, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, that's that's but, really uh, houses that's a- are still pretty affordable there. There you go, man. Good for you. Good for you. And then there you go. There's that. There's that warp tour money. So I want to get into the nuts and bolts of the record oh, a yeah. little bit. Uh, if you don't mind, Dark Skies uh, for anyone listening to this is out now. It's a terrific record. A record I have enjoyed a lot. And to be honest, I don't listen to a lot of, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, metalcore. I don't really, you know, I don't know. It's 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 rare that a band comes out and really blows me away. Like, you know, Silent Planet was a band I really, really got behind. I think they're they're doing some amazing things, and I think you guys are right up there with them. With, um, you know, just your songwriting and some of uh, your choruses are so good. Um, from a songwriting approach. Do you focus a lot on that, um, or do you focus on sort of the musical nuts and bolts of, of, a, of a song first? We definitely, uh, my preferred way to write is definitely music first, because I love getting a vibe of, like, the song. It helps me, like, think of a good meaning for it, because some songs, you know, they'll give you that sad vibe or that, like, triumphant right. vibe. And... uh after that, uh, yeah, write it. I like to write patterns. Sometimes I'll like hum a melody and try to make lyrics fit yep. into that. Right. So it, it's uh, it's been interesting because this album is the first time I've done every chorus on a record, and uh, I've never been somebody I had never sang a chorus. I sang one on our last record or two, and then before that, zero singing pretty much at all. So. Uh, it was definitely like a fun adventure writing melodies. It's something I've never done a lot of. And this yeah. album was the first time I really dove in hard on writing melodies. And it was a weird experience writing like humming melodies into my, or doing little voice memos with yeah, random yeah. words, <laughs> which That's, I'm sure you do the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's and it's funny sometimes when you'll you'll come up with something really cool and it's like just a voice memo with random words. You're just it's more about the melody or the rhythm than it is about the words. But then sometimes it's hard to get away from those words and you end up using some of them. They kind of inspire your lyrics later. Do you ever have that happen? Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll have a sentence that makes zero sense, but a word sounds cool with saying a certain way and you can never like, lose I it i have to make that word yeah work. i know i know it's funny <laughs> exactly but that's cool because you know so many bands in your genre and I'm, I'm not talking about now i'm talking about since forever it seems like their choruses their clean singing their you know those parts of the song are an afterthought you know and for you guys it doesn't seem like that it seems like that that's the focus and I guess maybe for you having something to prove you know I've never done this before uh, probably contributed to how you know how good and how solid and how well thought out uh, these songs are absolutely and I think somebody that deserves a lot of credit too is our producer Drew Folk he is I, we've been to a different producer every album we've ever done yeah. and we're 100% going back to him for the next record because I think we just struck such a great just like 
symbiotic relationship when it comes to writing. Awesome. And he, me and him, like, bounced so many good chorus ideas. I think this album by far has the strongest choruses we've ever had, which is attributing a lot to why this album's doing so much better than our past ones, because I think strong choruses can make an album. It's what keeps people coming back over and over again to a song. Where in the past, we kind of just had really heavy parts, okay choruses, and the heavy parts were good for shock value live. Right. But it was only getting us like 150,000 monthly listeners, because at the end of the day, that's it's fun live, but it's not something you're going to listen to over and over again. It gets stuck in your head. And I think the leap from 150,000 to 600,000 monthly listeners was because these songs finally have choruses that can dig into people's heads a little bit. Right. Is that how you gauge success? Is is, is that Spotify monthly listeners? I wouldn't say <laughs> it's a gauge of like overall success at all because... There's some bands out there with a lot of monthly listeners that uh, draw 100 people. Right, right. I don't know. Um, I I don't even know what my band's monthly listeners are. I I didn't, you know, I guess this is the new wave, though. I mean, these kind of statistics are, it's the new record sales, you know. I bring it up because our label just preaches it over and over again. Like, get on the Spotify wave. Embrace Spotify. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's I, I got Spotify. I listen to your new record on Spotify. So there we go. You know, there you go. <laughs> uh, I want to talk talk to you about a couple uh, a couple of your songs. Uh, the one I want to start with is "Anthem of the Defeated," because when I was listening through the record, it, it struck me right away as a bit different. I'm like, this is a kind of a new metal intro with a bit of a Slipknot thing going on, um, but different for you guys. And is that is that that's you at the beginning? doing that part i was in i was like hey i want to do something weird and i've i've always been a slipknot fan i was like i really want to do like some Corey taylor yells and see what happens so that song was just kind of like a really fun experimental track and it was really the first song that front to back i like mouthed the riffs and mouthed everything like musically and just had bob lay it down (laughs) mouthed is that the way that you write yeah, I can't play an instrument. Uh, <laughs> some ball. Luckily, me and Bob have worked together for over ten years, and when I go and make some weird riff sounds, he's like, "I know what you're trying to do," <laughs> and then he'll lay it down. That must be. I want to see a video of that. That must be so funny. Uh, t- like to someone just external. Like obviously, you're trying to focus on you know your vision and your creativity, and Bob or or whoever is trying to <laughs> channel that, and it's very serious. But just from the outside looking in, it must be very, very, very funny. So uh, I guess what what uh, what's up next for you guys? Uh, obviously, you got this tour coming up. I'm sure you're going to be doing some other stuff worldwide. Uh, what's the focus? Uh, obviously, Dark Skies is a record you guys are really behind. Uh, we have a really big uh, tour January through March. It's going to be announced, I think, for the next two to four weeks. Awesome. That one I'm really pumped, and we're direct on that tour. It's like our first, like we're direct on this tour, and it's really cool. Um, but the next tour we're direct, we finally are playing over some bands where I think it really will, like, show the progress we've made in our growth and it's really exciting and then uh, um, uh, we're trying to do some cool Europe stuff still trying to figure out Europe and Australia 
and we're for sure going to do a headliner, our first like real A market headline tour next fall. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, you guys are overdue for that. I think that's going to be tremendous. Uh, I want to ask you about the song that I'm calling the hit, When Everything Means Nothing. Is that song going to be a single? Are there any plans for a video for that one? Oh, yeah. Our, uh, the label owner requested a video for that one. Yeah. So that one's for sure happening. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on <laughs> board. We a radio edit for it, too. Right. Oh, shit. Already? Okay, you guys are going full on. Because I heard the heard the record and I said, oh, yeah. This is, this is the one. This is the song. So uh, that's awesome. Best of, best of luck with that and everything, man. And, um, yeah, anything else to tell the people before I let you go? Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I've heard great things about this podcast for a long time, so I appreciate you letting me be a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to anybody that took interest to listen to me talk about stuff, and sorry for all the sports. Hopefully, a lot of it gets edited out so people <laughs> can move right past it. Oh, no, no. I'm keeping <laughs> I'm keeping all the Cowboys talking, especially because so many people hate the Cowboys, man. Like... So we got deep. We got deep into the Cowboys. So uh, I mean, you're talking. Exactly. You're talking about the defensive coordinator and shit. So this is. Uh, I know. They, don't even get me started on the secondary. <laughs> then it's gonna get real. <laughs> oh, it's great, man. Well, thanks so much. Enjoy. Uh, enjoy your night in Indianapolis and the rest of the tour. And uh, all the best, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you later. There it is with Ryan. And yes. Uh, very much a football-centric conversation, but I think, you know, there's some people out there that appreciate it, and that's why there's that little 15-second skip button, right? If you just want to get to the next thing. I personally don't use it when I listen to podcasts. I even listen to the ads because I love the ads. And I, you know what? I've bought a few things from some podcasts that I listen to. Hint, hint. Anyways, Fit for a King has a brand new album out now. Go check it out. And I know exactly what song I'm going to play. Like I said, this is the hit. It's a great song. Check it out. Here it is. When Everything Means Nothing on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll talk to you soon. Ones and zeros fill my eyes Am I supposed to be like everybody else? A prisoner of my own mind Should I give up? Should I give up? I try to
fight, just stay. 